0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Wednesday Night uh, Sports Conversation. I'm Don Henderson, and, of course, we'll be here for the next hour and a half chatting about the world of sports with you with a host of guests, and we hope some very interesting comments from people around the country to talk about what's happening in the world of sports. As always, Roy Cummings is stationed down there in in Florida and uh, holding things together down there in Tampa. And Roger is in, and Roger Hendler is in Philadelphia holding these together in Philadelphia. And we'll run around the country with a number of other reporters as the show continues. We'll open up right away with Roy Cummings. And Roy, uh, we're in the middle of the baseball season playoffs. Uh, two points. One, the uh, Phillies have gotten off to a obviously fantastic start against the Braves who had the winningest record of all teams in all of baseball. And right now they're about to drop behind two to one. as uh, Turner just hit another home run for the Phillies, and that, uh, that follows two earlier home runs by the Phillies, and they now lead it by a score of 8-1, to 8-2. to two. Oh, sorry, 8-2. to two. My white question, two questions. One, have you found the playoffs interesting? Uh, I think we're having a lot of trouble television-wise watching these games because there's just so much competition going on, and I just don't think that the country's ready for Diamondbacks and Arizona and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll, I'll be interested to see what the ratings are going to be, but I don't think it's been a very good playoff series so far. Roy?
0: Well, you know, in, in to some degree you're right. Um, you know, first round, uh, it was a sweep across the board. Um, you know, that hurts competitiveness. You thought uh, certain teams, you know, might give a little bit better uh, uh, effort and showing, and it didn't happen. Um, and then Texas comes out and uh, – and sweeps uh, the Orioles, which I think was really disappointing. I mean, for me it was. I I was really looking forward to seeing that Orioles team, best record in in the American League uh, throughout the course of the regular season just get swept, you know, in three games uh, by Texas. Now, at the same time, um, you know, we're seeing some dynamic teams uh, show who's best. Um, There may be some questions regarding the playoff format, Um, maybe the way it's set up. Um, you know, especially if you look at the first round, you know, maybe that extra Wild card's not uh, – maybe not the best thing for competitiveness once you get to the playoffs. It's, it's great down the stretch, but then for maybe three, four days, it, uh, you know, maybe it's not as, quite as competitive as you'd like it to be. But, um, you know, not everybody that uh, won divisions won. I mean, Milwaukee got beat uh, as well. Uh, but me, I, I'm intrigued by these young teams that, have, that are in the playoffs for the first time. I'm intrigued by Texas. Um, so, to me, they've been very interesting. Uh, I think the Phillies are an incredible story. Uh, once again, they, they kind of struggle and just get there, uh, you know, uh, as a wild-card team throughout the regular season. Uh, but then they get to the playoffs, and, and they just – it's like something happened special to this team, something special happens to this team in October, certainly with uh, Bryce Harper. I mean, it's not like he hasn't doesn't put up MVP-like numbers throughout the course of the season, but uh, he really delivers in the uh, – you know, in the playoffs. And, and that's been exciting. So, you know, look, being a baseball fan and a big baseball fan, I I love the playoffs. I think they've been great. Didn't like the outcome, uh, between Texas and, uh, and Baltimore, loving what I'm seeing with Philadelphia and and Atlanta. Uh, and to be honest, as much as I love the Dodgers, I'm, I'm excited about what I'm seeing with, with, with the Diamondbacks. So, um, I think the only uh series that I'm not you know a big fan of and what's happening in it is uh, uh the twins and uh, and and Astros because you know i just uh, I'm not a fan of the Astros ever since the cheating scandal so uh i think th- I think they have been intriguing certainly in the second round uh you know best out of five is uh is a little bit you know better obviously than, than best out of three um but you're right there is a lot of competition out there you know I, I think they've tried to you know, uh get away from the, the NFL games and things like that. But hey I gotta be honest, last night I was probably paying a little bit more paying a lot more attention to the uh the NHL triple header on ESPN than I was of the playoffs. I was checking in with the playoffs but both games are kinda of blowouts. so um I was I was locked in on the uh on the NHL triple header and watching Connor Bedard make his uh debut for the Blackhawks. Well
1: Roy, Roger and I and I'll let Roger speak for himself. We're we're spoiled because you know we're looking at the Phillies and the Phillies are playing well And their games. Uh, at least Game Two of the series was was very exciting. They came down to the seventh inning when it turned uh, turned the corner. So they came into tonight's game, uh, you know, in a tied one-one rather than two-to-one and taking a chance to take the game in three. But uh, it's been very exciting in Philadelphia. But I have to agree with you; it's very tough to get you to turn off the NFL to watch the games we saw in the early part. Roger, your opinion?
2: Well, I. You have both me. of you. I, I hope I'm not having any. I'm not breaking up tonight. I just. Um, I'm hoping, I'm, Roy. I hope you can hear me fine and uh, that th- there's no issues with the audio. But uh, no, Loud and I agree. Clear. Uh, good, good. Uh, I agree. Uh, I think it's been uh, terrific. But I'm with you. Uh, but you know, th- they were very concerned in Philadelphia about having to face the Diamondbacks. Well. I guess everybody that was concerned is right because they have done a number on the Dodgers. Now, the Mad Doggy, uh, is, uh, he said that the uh, Dodgers are going to win three straight. I don't believe that. I think the Diamondbacks are on a roll now, and they've got confidence, and now they're at home for a couple games. But I also was really down because I've always been an an Orioles fan to an extent. used to go to a lot of games when I was down doing naval training, and I thought they would definitely represent themselves better than they did. And so I'm, I'm with you, Roy. Uh, you know, there's been some uh, great uh, games. There's been some great competition. Uh, but then there's also the when you get a little uh, deflated, so to speak, and that's the way uh, I am like
1: you about the Orioles. Yeah, you look at the Phillies and, uh, you know, Harper's doing what he did last year, uh, mm-hmm. he was really hitting the long ball at a very, very important time tonight. Uh, they were down. One nothing to start the game, and then jumped out four to one, and three runs of those were on on Harper's three run home run into the right field bleachers, and they've continued there. At, uh, their fine shortstop has hit another home run. He's he's had a great second half from August through the playoffs. He's played very very well at a very very shaky and very uh, confidence shaken first half coming to Philadelphia, but he's turned the corner there. But as I say, I just don't think. I may be wrong, and I may be wrong when the TV ratings come out. I just don't think you're going to have any ratings, because most of the games have not been very good. You just pointed out the Dodgers, what, they lost 11-1 to 1 or 11-2 in their first game. I watched the yeah. second game. They didn't play real well there either. Uh, and last year, they were the winningest team in the National League, and they lost to the Padres. This year, they're winningest team in baseball, and they're down 2 nothing to the Diamondbacks. So, you guys explain it to me. I don't I it, not the kind of baseball I expect in the playoffs. No.
0: Well, in terms of ratings, guys, I, I, I think they'll be down a little bit just because of the fact that you don't have um the Dodgers or the Yankees uh in, in the playoffs and I think or Boston for that matter. Um I mean that hurts you. Or right Chicago. Off the bat or or, or any yeah, Chicago, right team. Chicago. Right.
3: yeah so that mm-hmm.
0: that hurts you right off the bat um but i think you know i think the ratings for the phillies uh, Braves series will be will be fine uh may not be better than what you know i we saw last year but I, I think they'll be close if not better um and to be honest i, I think the ratings for the dodgers games will will be okay as well uh, you know the issue they have there is uh you know it's a late game and and it's hard to you know for everybody on the east coast to, particularly to stay up late and watch them but um, you know, I, I still think the baseball playoffs are going to be fine. Look, when we get to the next series, the you know the the championship series, it's going to be really good baseball. You're going to probably have the, the the Rangers and Astros, which uh, I, I think that'll draw you know plenty of plenty of people. Um, I, I mean, the, the Rangers are are just an incredible team, and, uh, and so are the Astros. They're incredibly resilient um, and seasoned teams as well. Uh, and then in the National League, if, if the Phillies or the Braves against the Dodgers or the Diamondbacks, again, those are, I think those are very good matchups no matter what. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, one thing I think we've learned here, you know, back on the baseball side of things, is that uh, it, it is a bit of a process. Um, and I don't know that everybody realizes that in, in uh, baseball as much as they do football and, and definitely hockey. But um, it's a process uh, in terms of, you know, just getting the playoffs. And we'll take the Orioles for a perfect example. Uh, that's a young team. And the, the playoffs are a different animal. And, um, you know, if you're facing a team like uh, Texas with a bunch of guys who've been there before and, play and been at that level before, uh, you know, you, you just, you know, there's, a, there's some nerves that you've got to get over. And, you know, if you get down a game and, and you, you don't really, you know, quite have the mental, uh, you, you know, fortitude to, to kind of bounce back uh, quickly enough, you can you can find yourself down a couple of games and all of a sudden you're scrambling and uh, it just doesn't go that well for you. So I think there's a process. And I think the Twins, uh, certainly the, uh, the the Orioles, and, uh, you know, to some degree even the Rays, I think, uh, have uh, have struggled with that process this year whereas the Diamondbacks uh, obviously are not. Now, that could change, but uh, right now they are. But, uh, but you look at the two most seasoned teams, really, uh, or two of the more seasoned teams that are matched up against each other, Philadelphia and, and Atlanta, and it's a great series, no doubt. Because, I mean, even up 8-2, uh, there's still there's still at least a dozen outs that uh, the, the, the Phillies have to get against the Braves, which is as good a team as there is, and they can find a way to get six runs in a hurry. So that, that one's oh, not yeah. over.
1: Roger. Before we jump to some other topic, uh, stay baseball for a minute. What does what does 162 games mean? I mean, you're the winningest <laughs> team in, in the National League, the winningest team in the American League. Uh, you know, and here you are in the playoffs. Doesn't mean anything to win in uh, regulars. So you're playing all these games, all this all this time, all these months, and it really doesn't mean anything. Well, it's just
2: like the NBA. Okay, uh, you know the NBA regular season doesn't mean a thing. Uh, as long as you get in the playoffs, and anything can happen. But I do think it means more because you know, Don and and uh, and Roy, there was so much uh, excitement around the Phillies to be the number one seed uh, in in the uh, wild card, and they did. And uh, once they got in there, I mean, they let up because they uh, took it easy. They lost uh, several games in a row, and then they came back, and they won that last game, which I thought was great that uh, that they did win that last game. Because I think you can go into a little losing streak, but uh, you don't want to do that when you're getting ready to go into the playoffs. You might lose a couple, but then get that win under your belt so that you're ready to go, and that's exactly – uh, what happened? But, you know, uh, it, it just goes to show you that you can spend a lot of money. The Mets were a perfect example. The Padres, another. You spend a lot of money. You have 162 games. And there's two teams that uh, even the Mets sold off. And So I, that's what I think is great about baseball. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, let's, right. switch over, uh, let's
1: switch over to football. Okay. Roy said he watched the triple header the other night and uh, what's happening in the the world of the National Football League. There are, likewise, some major surprises in the NFL as well as there is in baseball in the playoffs. Uh, First of all, Roy, uh, some of your thoughts. We talked about the good points of what Tampa did winning the three games, and you also last week talked about their schedule and the advantage you thought they had going into the rest of the season. Uh, Some of your thoughts on the early play in the National Football League and some of the things that surprised you.
0: Well, uh, I think it's been really intriguing. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we've had any great surprises, uh, to be honest. I mean, the, the teams that I think we thought were going to be very good have been very good. Uh, San Francisco's been very good. Buffalo's been good for the most part. Um, you know, we've, and then we've had some teams, you know, there's just a lot of teams out there that are, you know, trying to find themselves and figure out what uh, just how good they are. Uh, I, I think the Bucks are as big a surprise as there is. Um, not surprised by – you know the struggles that uh uh really Denver has had not that much uh not really surprised by the struggles that um that uh Chicago has had uh so you know i i think the biggest to me the biggest takeaway early on is that Dallas can be really good and they can be really bad right. and um that to me is the biggest takeaway and another takeaway that i have is that uh, i didn't i just didn't think the 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 Giants would be as bad as they are right. uh, even without uh, even without Saquon Barkley I mean that's a tough loss but you know you got to have some depth and they just they just don't have it and it seems and uh, so was, but the, you know what in a 17 game season there's plenty of time to come back I mean I understand that own three teams and you know teams with three losses in the first four or five games uh, tend to miss the playoffs but you know, there's just a lot of teams out there that, as I said, are still trying to find themselves. Uh, so, you know, I'm not surprised by much that's gone on, but to me uh, the, the Cowboys have yet again been overhyped, overrated,
3: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they
0: have proven to be um, really just uh, really just another team, you know, always in the mix, but not quite good enough to really uh, to bring it all home and win a Super Bowl.
1: And that was certainly proven on Monday night against New or against uh, San Francisco because obviously yeah. they played an outstanding game and Dallas never got out of, never really got on track. But one of the major surprises to me always Belichick uh, putting up two goose eggs. I mean, that to me that's a, ma- oh. a major surprise. This team <laughs> has completely fallen you know, apart.
0: I'll tell you what, and, and Roger, I'd like to get your take on this too. I mean, not that I'm running the show, but either way, uh, look. All of a sudden, Bill Belichick looks like an ordinary coach. Right. Like you get rid of Tom Brady, and he just looks—he's all of a sudden he's not so smart anymore. You know, and it's kind of the same with Sean Payton out in Dan- Denver. Now he's got a, a potential Hall of Fame quarterback, but that Hall of Fame quarterback is clearly—you know—in the twilight of his career. You know, when Drew Brees was making Sean Payton look good, and Tom Brady was making Bill Belichick look good. We kind of got the idea those guys were geniuses. Maybe they're not. Maybe they just yep. maybe they just got lucky and had really good
2: quarterbacks. Oh, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And what really surprised me, uh, if you saw Belichick's uh, press conference on Sunday, uh, he was already uh, had a shower. He's ready to go home when he went to his press conference. You know. Had a nice shirt on and everything, you know. He wasn't the doing the press, press conference. Didn't
1: last very long, Roger. About one question. Oh uh, no,
2: it 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 didn't. But that was, you know, his intent. But it just showed me I want out of here as quick as possible. I got to do this, <laughs> so I'm going to do it. But I'm going to go home to my my wife. And but I just wonder if this is his last year, you know, because I think a lot of teams, the coaches, there's a younger group. Uh, Sirianni obviously is one. And, uh, then the, 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 two coordinators, the Eagles lost, uh, you know, he's uh, doing uh, well. Uh, what is it? Shane stipend in, in, uh, in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a whole new generation, I think of coaches, uh, of young coaches. You know, guys, and, one of the, you're right. And,
0: and, and, you know, guys, it's always one of those, uh, kind of side bets, one of those uh, little sidebars that everybody's always kind of following in the NFL, especially, it seems, you know, who's on the hot seat. Uh, you start every season with, you know, what what three or five coaches are on the hot seat, you know, at right. the start of the season. And, and, you know, for the most part, you know, it all makes sense. Well, guess what? I got to think Bill Belichick is on the hot seat, but I mm-hmm. don't think he's going to be fired. I think, and Roger, you just kind of hinted at it. Well, how much longer is he going to stick around? Um, could this be his last year? Well, it could be, but I got a feeling that I'll put it this way: if I'm Bill Belichick, and I think I'm as smart as I as as he once seemed to be, I don't want to go out like this. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to go out, you know, off losing seasons, teams that don't look prepared, because what it tells you is it says that because let's not forget when you when you when you had Cleveland, they weren't that special either, so. Right. Uh, you know, the, the sandwich in between, you know, the stuffing in between the two pieces of bread there is Tom Brady. Tom Brady.
1: Yeah. And <laughs>
0: if he's just as good as Tom Brady allowed him to be, well, I don't think I want to go out with that. And that, that you know, that becomes the question I want to fight back and, and prove that I can do it with any quarterback. Um, so I, I, but part of me also says, at what point does Bob Kraft go to him and say, Bill, maybe it's time we think about making a change. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you know, let's face it, it's not working right now. doesn't mean it can't. doesn't mean they can't turn it around, especially in that division. Um, dolphins are tough, bills are tough, but uh, you can still turn it around and, be, and earn a wild card spot. so um, but you've got to do it quickly. And right now, I just
1: and, that, and I not was zero on the board.
0: Anything to suggest yeah.
1: right. we're, we're Any. not
0: anything to suggest
2: that a turnaround is, is imminent here? Yeah, and he, and he announced today he's staying with Max, uh, Mac Jones, the quarterback. He said that. So. Well,
0: I don't know that he's got much choice, but what, what bothers no. me is you could, you could look at the – right now, who do you think is a better team, the Bears or the Patriots? I would almost I'll go with the Bears. Bears. I will too. Yeah, because yeah. right now Justin Fields has put two good games together. Not winning mm-hmm. games, but he's put two good games together. One was a win, but Mac Jones, you can't say that about him. And so, right. you know – the pedigree is is about the same there, but you know, so I don't know uh that that Bill Belichick's on the hot seat if you ask me.
1: And feels for that part uh Hello, might
0: have gotten cut off.
1: Getting the tournaments underway, but uh, that's exactly what's happened uh, in the year two, uh, 23. So uh, we're going to go to Robin Liddy right now. She was on us a couple of weeks ago. A young LPGA pro uh, lives in the Santa the uh, area in Florida. Uh, and first of all, Liddy, you were going to you were going to join us in Atlantic City there for the uh, the tournament down there, but you got to do another tournament instead. We did You get a chance to meet you. Thank you for coming back on the show again.
4: Thanks for having me.
1: Where where is your next you? where is your... she's quiet over there. Everything everything is good over there?
4: Yeah, I can I I can't hear you guys.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I apologize. Are we all right now? Okay,
4: I can hear you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, okay. All right, here oh, we good. go. Can
2: you hear You can hear both of us, I hope? Can you
1: hear both of us? Yes, okay? I can hear you both now, yes. Great, great. All right. Well, well Robin's an LP, ahead, LPGA pro and uh, lives in the Florida area and has been over here playing in, on the tours for a couple of years. She joined us before the uh, tournament down in Atlantic City. We thought we were going to get a chance to chat with her, but uh, she skipped that tournament and went to another. But tell us, how's the progress? What – what is happening on the ladies' front, and what's the next tournament that you're in?
4: Well, the season just finished last week in Daytona, and um, so now it's time for the offseason and getting ready for the next season on the LPGA.
1: Roger?
2: Yeah, so do uh, you just you know work at your local club getting in shape, or is there anything in particular, any training that you do?
4: Well, I'm going to be taking a few weeks off just to reset and recharge for, you know, the off-season prep, but um, I will be going home for a couple weeks, get some family time, and then I will be back to Florida and start my off-season prep in November.
1: Robin, you're still going to be based in Sarasota?
4: Yes, absolutely.
1: Roger.
2: Good. The um, Since we talked to you before the LPGA down in Atlantic City, as Don noted, um, tell us about the, some of the success and experiences you had uh, at other tournaments since that time.
4: At the other tournaments on the LPGA?
2: Yes yeah, yeah. Uh,
4: yeah. Mm-hmm. well I got to play I got to play a few events this year. I played um Hawaii. I played uh, New Jersey and then I played Grand Rapids. so I mean it was a great experience, especially you know going into next year, being more prepared and knowing like what to work on, to be competitive out there, what can improve on, and just you know all together, just getting to compete at the highest mm-hmm. level and the highest stage was just like, I think it was good for me to, you know, a good transition to just play on both tours this year and then just be able to be full-time on the LPGA next year. So, that was the good part about it.
1: Yeah, Yabibi, to the next question. What do you think is the the weakest part of your game, and what do you think is the strongest part that you have to work on to be ready for the season to start?
4: So, I think definitely um, my weakest part would be padding. So, I definitely. Obviously, probably the hardest part of the game, in my opinion, to work on because, you know, it's not so predictable and there is a lot that goes into it. So, you know, I, I will have to be smart with how to train it and I will be talking with my putting coach back home in Italy and try to figure out what's the best way for me to, you know, improve and, you know, uh, make the best of this off season to improve it. And definitely my strongest part of the game would probably be both striking. So, you know, even that is something that I can... You know, perfect, and you know there's always something to work on to better it. But definitely, that's my strongest too. And you know, I just need to make sure that it stays it stays that way for next year.
1: Roger, uh, the
2: yeah, the uh, when do you go back uh, home to Italy? Uh, and also, uh, are there a lot of really? I mean, I I know that there was I saw a tournament that was there on the men's side, but are there uh, some good courses that you can? Uh, work on uh, while you're in Italy?
4: Yeah, I mean, there are a few nice golf courses. I have a golf course 10 minutes from my house in Siena. That is one of the nicest golf courses mm-hmm. in Italy. And so that's going to be really good. And this time of the year, the weather is really nice in Italy. So I think that would will be good to just be back there for a couple of weeks, Weeks work with my coach back home in Italy and, you know, get some, you know, work done. And then I'll just be back in Florida where where the weather is going to be better in November and December and just be able to make the most of the weather here.
1: When you talk about that, uh, most people in the United States and, of course, around the world saw the Ryder Cup that was played in Rome this year right outside of Rome. Uh, Have you ever played that course? And if you have, how difficult is it? And it looked awfully difficult during the Ryder Cup.
4: I've actually never played the course, but I've heard a lot about it. And everybody is very ecstatic about the course. It seems to be like a great golf course from what I've seen on TV. And, you know, they played an Italian Open there last year. So I've seen the course on TV, and it seems like a great track. I think they have done a lot of renovation on it recently. So I'm excited, actually, to go play it. I think I, I may get a chance to go play it when I'm home. These next couple of weeks, so um, I'll be able awesome. to let you know more about it later on.
1: Great, Roger. Probably, well, great. All the, uh,
4: you know, I, I want to of all the courses. Go ahead, of All Frank. the courses that you played here
1: uh, in the
0: states. Which one, one was a the toughest, and which one did you that be? Which one did you really
4: like? Um, I would say that um, as as a general thing of all the courses I've played, one of my favorite is Inverness in Toledo. Uh, I got to play a poem there this year, and it's definitely one of my favorite courses. They played the Solon Cup there, actually, a couple years ago. So um, it's a great track, and um, I actually look forward to playing Pebble Beach, so I'm waiting for my chance to play there.
2: You know, I wanted to ask you about uh, the growth of... uh, Uh, women's and girls' uh, interest uh, and uh, competition uh, in golf. Uh, Is it growing uh, in in Italy? And and probably one of the reasons would be you. Uh, But uh, I know that in this area it's really growing, okay? Uh, But uh, is it uh, growing in Italy also, uh, you know, women's and girls' golf?
4: I think um, I think the, with the Ryder Cup, the Italian Federation was trying to definitely grow the game in Italy as it's not, like, it's not really nearly as much as it is here. I mean, it's great to see here how much women's golf has improved, how many girls come out to watch tournaments, how many girls are getting closer to the game. And that's, mm-hmm. that's great to see. And I think Italy is trying to move in that direction. Unfortunately, golf is not one of the main sports in Italy and I think truly with the Ryder Cup they were hoping to move something out there and see if they could get some something good out of it like people just you know just seeing how cool of a sport golf is especially with the Ryder Cup being in Italy so mm-hmm. hopefully that in the years to come that will inspire more people to pick up the game and hopefully women's golf as well Brian. Yeah, uh, Robbie.
5: When you, how much time do they give you between the time
0: uh, you get your card and then have to defend your card? Do you have
4: to yeah.
0: – do you have so, so many uh, um, courses next year or what?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the hard part about it, that it's just the start. You know, you just get your card, and then all of a sudden you have to work even harder to just keep it, and, you know, you have to play better. And um, just, you know, be up to those higher standards. So it's always a work in progress mm-hmm. out there. And, you know, you just need to stay patient and try to be to get a little better every day, you know, 1% better every mm-hmm. day. And hopefully just keep improving as the years go by. I think that's been my biggest thing, even, you know, starting for the from the mini tours, I guess. Just get a little bit better every year. And then, you know, as long as you keep growing and improving, I think you're on the right path.
1: Well, I know the winning obviously guarantees your card, but at the same time, uh, how many tournaments do you play a year, or will you be playing, for instance, this year? And what is your goal? What is what is the goal in order to maintain the card? Uh, how well do you have to play?
4: Yeah, you know, like, since they switched from the, to the points game from, you know, the money, um, I think it's a little bit harder, you know, to keep your card. I think what... Really makes the difference is having higher finishes, like 10 and a missed cut is worth more than, you know, a couple top 30s, so I think what's important is when you're playing well to play really well and make the most of those weeks and, you know, get some really good finishes and, you know, you have probably 25 tournaments, about 25 to 30, depending on how you're playing to just defend your card and, you know, it's I think the most important thing is that you know, some good play in a, in a few weeks is more important than just average play all around. So I think that's the biggest thing out there.
2: Roger? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, I, I've seen uh, locally uh, with uh, young people uh, and even, you know, with uh, boys and girls, by that I mean uh, high school, uh, we've known that there's been a, a big, always been for a number of years, growth in Asia. And I've seen that at even some private schools where uh, some students, parents send them over here to go to school and play golf. And, um, you know, I would hope that, that that's the way it would be uh, in Italy. I I know I'm big into uh, women and, and uh, girls sports, and uh, I just love to see the growth. Uh, well, just like here and in the States, uh, girls' and women's flag football has really taken off and continues to grow. And uh, that's what I'd like to see, uh, you know, with golf more. Uh, and I think you're right. I think when you have the Ryder Cup in Italy, that's got to do a lot of good. But uh, I, do you get approached about, the, uh, uh, you know, doing public service messages uh, in the media uh, to promote uh, uh, women's golf and girls'
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they're truly putting an effort to, like, get girls to get interested in the game. And, you know, like, every time, like, I feel every time I do an interview, every time I do a video or even, like, a written interview, it's always, like, the final question is always, like, what would you tell a girl that wants to Mm. start with golf, you know? So I think they're truly trying to push and to show how beautiful of a sport it is in a culture that, you know, it's been so immersed in soccer and basically only soccer in a, in a country like Italy that all people are interested in. And I think mm-hmm. they're truly trying to, you know, start all the kids, like, to just try different sports and just a sport like golf that has been seen as, you know, a sport for old people for so long. I think they're finally getting people to understand that it's such a beautiful sport for kids to... Get into and to truly like, you know, raise them in a different way with a lot of, you know, like good etiquette and just learn to respect the others and good sportsmanship. I think it's truly a beautiful sport when it comes to all of this. I think if you compare it to other sports, like it could be soccer or like the team
1: sports. Castellino and Marsh hit back-to-back home runs for the Phillies. They now lead in Philadelphia at yeah, Citizens Bank Park, ten to two. And the standing room only uh, sellout <laughs> crowd of the of, uh, of, of the Phillies at home are all putting the axe up,
3: <laughs>
1: giving the uh, giving the Braves a little uh, a little heat over, over what's happening with them. We, they were axing pretty good down there in Atlanta, but I'll tell you the Phillies are actually the Braves right now at ten to two. Roger, hey, you uh, know, we, I wanted we, to
2: let you know, Don, the standing room uh, only ticket tonight. Dan told me last night, was $315. Ooh,
1: standing room, room only. Standing room only, yes. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Yeah.
2: How, about, well, how about that for, uh, to go to a golf tournament for standing room only, $315 <laughs> doll, uh, dollars for a ticket to see you uh, on the tour. How about that?
4: <laughs> I wouldn't pay it.
2: So oh, I don't know why
1: people would <laughs> That's great. Well, let, <laughs> let me ask you this, Rob, because they are doing a lot of things uh, on television and radio and the newspapers to broaden the audience for the women's tour. Uh, they've picked up uh, dramatic numbers in the last two or three years. Uh, the competition has been very good. And at the same time, competition makes an event and it looks to me like they're, they're beginning to really get a feel to get the fringe golfer to come to see women's golf, your, your opinion.
4: I mean, yeah, like it's, you know, it's just like it's great to see that so many, like, companies and so many people are valuing the growth of the game of women's sports and women's golf in, in specific, so I think in the years to come, we'll see a growth in that trend. We'll see more women's golf on TV. We'll see, we'll see a lot more, even like, you know, like they're starting to show even some of the Epson tour and a little bit of the like smaller tours out on TV and people are getting more coverage. And I think once people will understand that there are great stories to share, even when it comes to women's golf and what all these girls do to get to where they want, I think people will get more interested And sometimes when you go smaller, when people, women's sport is making so much less money than men's sport, the stories sometimes are cooler and there's more sacrificing. And I think for a lot of things, there there is a lot more to see out there than when it comes to men's sports, when there's just so much money. Mm. Roger.
2: Very good point. Absolutely. And, yeah, it just takes time uh, to develop anything uh, new, uh, you know, in, in athletics. And it took a little while for, uh, as I said, the flag football and, uh, you know, for women's ice hockey, which is big. I have a uh, a young woman in, in sixth grade uh, in uh, a couple of my classes in middle school. And she, I haven't seen her, but I'm going to go to see her uh, play. She, they say, is a phenomenal ice hockey player. So uh, and she's not that big, but uh, every evidently very quick. So they, they, I think there's so much opportunity. We need uh, to continue the growth, and um, I'm I'm looking forward to the future uh, with uh, women's and girls golf. I really am.
4: Absolutely, me too.
1: Robin, Robin what yeah. are you, you going to go to? Italy? Go ahead. go ahead, Frank. When are you headed to Italy?
4: Uh, this this Saturday.
1: Okay. When you get back, remind me. Give me a call, and I'll
0: introduce you to uh, uh, Tony Leodora, 'cause he'll be home for a while. And then uh, we'll take you over there to uh, um, the two courses we talked about, where you would get practice time. The traveling right, golfer.
2: Yeah. The traveling yeah, the
0: golfer, travel Tony offered. Leodora. Okay.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, his, what his show is is all over the country uh, on Comcast and, and other outlets. And uh, what has he done? Like a thousand courses or something like that. He he, to he catch, he, he he's going. T- he's not t- quite t-
1: to a thousand yet. He's very close. He's yeah. like a, in the 80s, high seventies or low eighties, nine hundred and eighty one or nine hundred seventy nine, something like. He's getting close to the one thousand. He's going to write yeah. a book on playing a thousand different courses.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that that'll be phenomenal. So that'll be great that you get to meet uh, meet Tony. He's a terrific guy. The three of us have oh, known him for years and I years.
1: Oh, well, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it, and he'll. Uh, I know he'll be more than happy to do a little segment with you and so forth. It'll be great he, when uh, Frank introduces us. And uh, uh, are you are you anywhere near the Sarah Bay Golf Club in, in Sarasota or no?
4: What's that?
1: Are you anywhere near the – where are you uh, close to uh, Sarah Bay? Are you close to it at all, Sarah Bay Country Club? Yeah,
4: not far, not far from that. Actually, I think they used to play um, a tournament over there. When it when was the Futures Tour, they had a tournament over there. So I heard the question. Yes, they had,
1: a three, you had it three years in a row. And uh, they wanted to have it a, a fourth year, but somebody else bought it out from under them. I, figured, well, I think it was in Georgia or someplace. Uh, they bought the tournament the- out from uh, – from underneath the, the survey club, yes. Right.
4: Got it. Well, let yeah. me ask
1: you one, sim- one simple question. How difficult uh, – I mean, I, I travel a lot, and in fact all of us have that are on the show with you right now. Uh, but it just seems to me it's a lot more difficult for women to travel golf or baseball or basketball or whatever uh, than it is men. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, but I, uh, is it difficult when you – you know, you got to play again next Thursday. You got to play again the next Thursday. You got to get in the car. You got to ride 500 miles. You get to your uh, hotel accommodations. You got to get ready to play. Uh, how difficult is that?
4: I mean, I think the difference between traveling for women and men is that I think because there is less money out there, women feel like they have to play more tournaments. So it's right. like a lot of weeks in a row. It's a lot of bouncing around from place to place. And yeah, as you said, it's truly really a lot of traveling. You just finish on Sunday and you just need to get out of there as soon as possible and get to the next place. And I think when it comes to men traveling, they have so many tournaments that they can truly pick and choose and organize their season in a way that, you know, they can rest and they can do what's most convenient to them when it comes to picking what, tournaments to play and not being thrown around too much and for women truly they feel like they need to make, make the most out of every opportunity they have so it's just a lot of traveling and it's very fast-paced
1: well Robin, thank you very much for being with us again and when you get back from italy uh, get a hold of frank and uh, we'll not only have you back on the show but uh we'll have you on maybe with tony lee himself because he joins us quite often but uh, thank you very very much for your time best of luck have a great season uh, or off-season with practice in Italy and come back and win a couple of tournaments. And safe Thank travels. you so
4: much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Always a pleasure.
2: Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Pleasure. Ira Coffin so
1: is our next guest coming up, and uh, Ira, of course, really does not need an introduction because he's on every uh, he, I'll you, he and Mad Dog, they tell stories that I've never heard before. But uh, He was
2: on today. He was on with the doggy <laughs> earlier today.
1: He's, he's, was, a, uh, he's a storyteller. This guy's going to become a, a, <laughs> a Mark Twain of, of uh, sports.
6: <laughs> well, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing quite a story unfold here in uh, in Philadelphia where it's the Bryce Harper show, and uh, it's 10-2, 10-2, <laughs> 10-2 Phillies, uh, bottom of the eighth, and um, the Braves might be done. I mean, I've never seen a baseball postseason with all the teams that had 100 wins or close to it, the Rays, the Orioles, the Dodgers are in a lot of trouble, and now the Braves are in a lot of trouble. What a postseason this is.
1: I talked to Roy at the top of the first segment, uh, Ira, and I'll ask you the same question. I think it's, it's, it's lost its momentum. I mean, in Philadelphia, yes, it's got all the momentum in the world. But from a television standpoint, watching these games, and expecting teams like the Dodgers, and everybody, of course, was rooting for the Orioles because they were such a young and underdog team and played so well during the season. But I, I think I think they're losing. I think they're losing their audience with these games. Uh, you might be right. Um, one common denominator that I see
6: is um, teams falling way behind, like you know, right. second inning, third inning, it's five nothing, six nothing. Starting pitching has been lousy. For a lot of these Absolutely. teams, um, and um, we might end up, guys, we might end up with a World Series with something like the Phillies and the Rangers. I mean, nobody expects something like that. Roger, well, you
2: know, Ira, I'll tell you, because uh, I lived in, in, in Georgia in the Atlanta area several times and uh, followed the Braves, uh, even you know, even though I was a Phillies fan. But I got to tell you, what I saw with the uh, two games down there was uh, uh, the they. I thought that they didn't do a very good jo- a job of marketing. By that, I mean they're going to pack Truist Park. But there were no rally towels or anything like that. I don't know if you noticed that or not. It just seemed right. to be very bland, okay? Of course, the Phillies won the first game, and they should have won the second game. They might be all That's over right. tonight if they had won that second game. But You're right. I just and they, I I was out there last Tuesday night. They give you a rally towel, and you can see it is a sea of red. And I just thought the Braves they did a very poor job of marketing uh, those two games. And I don't know what you think with Don and Frank, but that was my assessment.
6: You know, they moved that stadium from downtown out to the suburbs. Um, They've had good support during the season, uh, and they were a heck of a team during the season. But, uh, boy, their pitching's fallen flat. And you're right. Without that spectacular ending to game two, uh, this series is over.
1: Yeah. yeah. The other thing is that the Phillies are getting their (laughs) – Getting their momentum going. They're giving the axe to the Braves. I think the Braves are going to really be a little bit upset about the way uh, the Philadelphia fandom is going at them because all the, you know, they keep talking about the Braves and all the home runs and all the things they did and all the wins they had during the year and how many times they've worked that axe, wax, act. Well, right now they're getting the axe from the third inning on. I mean, they just can't, they can't play. Well, uh,
6: guys, we all know Philly fans got a long memory. They could remember some slight from uh, 2004. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, Harper, uh, Harper's going around. He's taking a sweet time going around the bases after these right. home runs. He's glaring at the second baseman. Um, <laughs> he's, doing a, he's doing a throat sign when he crosses home plate. Um, very emotional. Very emotional. Um, and, uh, hey, I'm surprised you guys haven't mentioned um, – we got a big game at Ray J Sunday afternoon. It's been flexed from one to four twenty-five, and uh, you know that tells me, uh, you know, obviously the Lions uh, have fan interest uh, building in, in that franchise. But right, you know, if the Bucks were if the Bucks were one and three instead of three and one, uh, they don't flex this game. So, you know, two division leaders early in the season, Bucks coming off a bye. The Lions are favored, guys on the road, um, and I think deservedly so. I'm starting to believe in in what Campbell's doing over there, um, and I think they believe in in their head coach, and you can see it. Um, And Jared Goff, to me, he's one of the most underrated players in football. He's not great, but he's good, and Mm -hmm. nobody gives him any credit. You know, when he was with the Rams – they wanted an upgrade with Stafford, but the fact remains they made the Super Bowl with Goff. He didn't. He didn't play well against New England. Okay, there's no great shame in that. Um, but this offense fits them like a tee. I, I think this is going to be a very tough ball game for the Bucks.
1: Well, I think uh, Detroit is a little bit like Baltimore was uh, last year in 22. Baltimore was coming on, and everybody assumed because of the young players and the fact the way they played. The second half of the season, they were going to make a major. They, they were going to win the American League, most uh, most win, get wins in the American League. But they were going to be right there. Detroit's the same way. Going into the season this year, everybody after the second half performance last year, everybody f- assumed the Lions were going to be back in the run for the first time in twenty years. I think your observation is correct, David. Uh, and um, you know, I think they're going to win this division. It's not a great division,
6: um, obviously. And, um, you know, they got a good O-line. They got a good defense. This guy, Aiden Hutchinson, guys, I'm going to be watching him on Sunday because if he lines up on the right side instead of the left side, he's going to be going up against Tristan Wirfs. And that that is a heavyweight bout. I can tell you that because Wirfs, he's as good as it gets, in my opinion. I think he's the best player on the Buccaneers regardless of position. And Hutchinson, he, he's, he's a man among men over there. Um, second year in the league. I think he was second rookie uh, defensive rookie of the year last year to Sauce Gardner. Uh, he's off to a great – this guy's got four interceptions, I think, in 22 games as a defensive lineman. That doesn't happen. Wow. That just doesn't no. happen.
2: No. I,
1: Roger, that, you're that's up.
2: amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I I didn't know any of that that stat at all, but uh, I'll tell you, Ira, I'm with you. I think the Bucks are back. Uh, I mean, maybe not you know to go to the Super Bowl, but they're they're on the right track, and and, and I I think th- Todd's finally going to get uh, some credit and have a decent team.
6: You know, uh, speaking of bowls, uh, obviously there was a tremendous amount of pressure going into this season. Um, you know, he, uh, he had uh, four straight losing seasons when you count uh, how it ended in New York. Um, and if you go five years in a row with two different franchises with losing records, you're probably not coming back. And I don't think he was coming back or he's not coming back if they don't have a winning record. Uh, and now he's off to a good start. And if they win this game, I think it's a big if. Um, they got Atlanta coming in, and I think they should beat Atlanta. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the Falcons are okay. They run the ball well. Uh, their defense has improved. But, you know, this Desmond Ritter, I think I think he might have saved his job last week because I think Arthur Smith was getting ready to give up on this guy. Um, and then he, he had a nice game last week, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I think the Bucks have a real good chance – maybe to go uh 5 and 1 if they can beat detroit uh, on sunday. Roger?
2: Yeah, that's a real accomplishment. Well, you know, we talked to uh, to uh, Daryl Ledbetter, you know, good friend of yours, I know. Uh, oh, yeah. Last year, uh, yeah, about Ritter, and he said they were really high on him, and I was really surprised because I was living in uh, uh the Atlanta area at the time. And I just never got that impression, but obviously he's there every day. Uh, but you're right. I, I really, I think, uh, suspect, and I think you're right. If they hadn't won, I think uh, Arthur Smith would have probably pulled the plug on him.
6: You know, uh, meanwhile, Baker Mayfield um, looks like a off-season steal.
1: Uh, How, about How about that?
6: How about that? How about that? How about that? And you got to remember, and I've said this during the whole off season. when he was healthy in 2020, uh, you know, the Browns went 11-5 and five with Baker Mayfield. Um, and Cleveland fans are not used to 11 wins. Then he went to Pittsburgh. They scored 48 points and beat the Steelers on the road with Mayfield. Then they went to Kansas City and played well and scared the Chiefs. And then he got hurt. In 2021, he hurt his shoulder, and he made a mistake. He he tried to play through it, and he should have listened to the doctors, but he was stubborn, and his plays suffered. And then, you know, Stefanski kind of soured on him. Uh, And then we know what happened last year, bouncing around from team to team. But, you know, it's not like this guy's 33 years old. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be great. You know, his ceiling is, you know, he's not going to be – Patrick Mahomes, never going to be, um, but he could be good and functional and, and a winner, and um, that's what we're seeing now. Uh, the one area that I really think the Bucks need to uh, get on the stick, and now, you know, this is going on two, three years now, they, they just don't run the ball well. They don't run it well, and this average in three yards, 3.1 yards, that, that's not good enough, not nearly good enough. Now, Canales, this Dave Canales, the new coordinator, i tell you what, he's been very patient. He's still running the ball 30 times a game. I've got to give him credit. It's tough to keep running it when you don't get rewarded. Leftwich didn't have that kind of patience, and that's why, that's why Tom Brady averaged uh, you know, 44 pass attempts. Now, that's way too high. Um, Mayfield's averaging 31. That's more, you know, that's, that's, uh, and that's why they're plus seven in turnover differential. That's a big reason they're three
1: and one. But in, the, in the division themselves, they've got a great opportunity. This is sort of a wide-open division going after games four and five of the season. And as you said, uh, a lot of the schedule does favor, uh, you know, the Bucks, And so, you know, win a game or two that they're not supposed to win, and they could be right there.
6: I think that's a great point. Um, You know, the way I look at the schedule, after the Atlanta game, they got two home games coming up. Okay, let's say they split them. Let's say they split them, they're 4-2. and Well, that builds up a little bit of a cushion, which I think is advantageous because they go on the road for four out of five weeks. That's kind of unusual. You don't see that very often. Four out of five weeks on the road. One of those games, you know, a month ago at Houston, I would have said, "Well, the Bucks are going to be favored and they're going to win that game." Well, you know what? The Texans are sort of competitive um, with this CJ Stroud, so that's no gimme game. And of course, they got to go to Buffalo and San Francisco. Very, very difficult.
1: Very. Yeah, difficult. That's, that's, that's really. Uh, tough. And that's,
6: that's, uh, but I'll tell you what: the last six or seven weeks, I think very favorable schedule for the Bucks. Very favorable. Carolina twice. They got Atlanta again. They got New Orleans at home. Uh, speaking of New Orleans, uh, you know, I, I'm not impressed with them. And then they go out last week and they absolutely destroy Belichick. And I'm really starting to wonder about Belichick and what's going on in Foxborough and what Robert Kraft is thinking.
1: Um,
6: I just think he's drafted poorly.
1: He's got nobody you can't to can't put blame. up double zeros, Ari. You can't put up double zeros in any game. No, no
6: you can't. And uh, he looks like he doesn't have any answers, Belichick. He really doesn't have any answers right now. He's got a mediocre quarterback. He's got no weapons on offense. And if they go 4-13, and 13, guys, I, I think Kraft's going to have to have a conversation. Uh, maybe we bring in a general manager. I don't think Belichick will go for it. Um, I, I think he'll leave. Um, and I think somebody would take him. I, I think somebody would take him. I think somebody would take Belichick
2: and start Roger, um, uh, from you think to take take him and start all over again with their team, but I wonder whether he really uh wants to
6: do that uh, because no, okay, no, he, just, he would not he would not go to a team that's uh, in, in a rebuild. he would not he would not he wants to, to go to a team, take him right over the top and prove that he is good. Well, he, 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 yeah, you know, maybe he, he, maybe a yeah. team maybe a team like the Chargers, maybe the Chargers with yeah, Herbert.
2: Yeah, them over.
1: Yeah, you're right. And yeah, you know that like Brandon
6: that. Staley, that Brandon Staley's hanging by a thread. He's hanging yeah. by a thread. That guy.
1: Yeah, he well, one thing he's not hard hanging hard by a head head. thread is the Phillies. They just won this game in hand, and uh, as they leave the field right now, they're up two games to one in the series with two more to be played in uh, Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. They're interviewing Harper right now on television. And
6: he that is, crowd uh, uh, going to
1: be nuts for game, uh, game four. It's oh. going to be nuts. <laughs> if, if they're paying $200 for, for standing room tickets now, what are they going to pay tomorrow night, Roger? Three fifty dollars
2: standing room only tonight
1: there. Meanwhile,
6: uh, you're talking to an old 76er fan. I go back to the Will days in the 60s. You and and, um, me
2: both, and Don and Frank, everybody. You know. you
6: kill, you kill, you're killing me with this, James Harden. You, you're just killing me. Um, <laughs> at,
2: this,
6: at this point, I, I don't even think I care what they get for him. Just get him out of there. Get <laughs> <Right>. him out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think there's certain players in, in all these games now that you got just got to get rid of, and he's one of them, no question about it. I mean, how many teams can you let him ruin? And, and before you finally decide, hey, this guy's not going to help anybody. And uh, you're, exactly um, right. I, you're exactly there,
6: right. You're exactly right. There's something wrong with Harden. I, I don't know what it is. He's got a screw loose. Something's going on. I mean, you know, why wouldn't he want to stay in Philly? He's got Embiid. They've got a chance. I mean, they're not a bad team. And, not um, only that, look at the what, money. What, look at the
1: money he's got.
6: Um, you know, I just can't figure him out. And, of course, I, I I got no faith in him in a big game. i got no faith in him.
1: Well, especially towards the end of the season because he runs out of gas. I mean, once you get yeah. down to the, uh, you know, down close, maybe ten games from the playoffs or something like that, you know, uh, he shoots himself right out of the games because he takes so many three point shots after that, and so many of them don't go in, and, uh, and um, he, his, his legs just... <laughs> You're right, and by the time he stops dribbling, there's only five seconds left
6: on the clock, yep. and uh,
1: That's right. it's
6: screwing it's exactly. screwing everything up. Yep. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yep. Give, us, give us a and, little bit of a rundown. What, what do you think right now after the first five games, six games of the season coming up? Give, give us a, a one, two, three of the best teams in the National Football League. Who do you put on top?
6: Well, I don't think there's any question. Um, the Niners are, are the best team. Somebody would say, well, it's got to be the Eagles till somebody knocks them uh, out in the NFC. Um, the Niners, uh, and I mentioned this on, uh, on, on Chris Russo's show today, and it really strikes me. I think it's highly unusual. The 49ers, a colossal, and I mean colossal, screw up on Trey Lance, not just drafting him. Everybody, you know, can make a mistake on drafting a guy. But they went out of their way to, you know, give up resources to be in position to take Trey Lance, and it didn't work out. Now, usually, almost all the time. When you mess up on a top-five pick as a quarterback, it's you you're done for three years you're you're done and here comes john lynch and he finds this brock purdy and then he makes the deal for mccaffrey which has turned out to be a bonanza
1: sensational Um, he's
6: got sensational he's got kittle he's got Ayuk. he's got samuel he's got a hell of a defense um they are very dangerous. Now, the only question is, you know, can Purdy do it in a big game? Can he make a, a fourth-quarter comeback in tough conditions? We don't know that. We don't know that. But the guy wins me over every week a little bit more. Um, and they don't ask him to do too much. you got to right. remember that. Um, you know, he throws his 30 passes. He, he completes uh, 20. And they run the ball well. And they've got a hellacious defense. I mean...
1: But if he completes twenty-five, if five, five of, the, of the ten that he doesn't complete, somebody drops. I mean, he's on the money almost right. every time. How many times um, out of all the passes he throws does he miss anybody more more than a foot or less?
6: I would love to see the Eagles and the Niners in the NFC title game. I I think okay. that'd be fantastic. Roger. So I got I got the Niners. I got the Niners first. I'll put the okay. Eagles second. Um my chiefs are not playing particularly well. They're still winning, but they're not playing great. Mahomes uh, is playing. Okay. Uh, I think they need a receiver over there. I don't think they got enough. Uh, but I said that last year and they ended up winning it all. Um, Kelsey's great. Uh, he might not play Kelsey may not play tomorrow night against Denver, um, uh, but he's great. Um, uh, so I, I think you got to go with the chiefs, uh, at the third spot. Um, but the Niners, um, you know, they're hungry, they're physical, they're aggressive, well-coached with Shanahan. Look at the job Shanahan's done with this Brock Purdy. I mean, it's, it's out of this world.
1: Roger?
3: I was thinking about this.
1: He
3: could have gotten
2: you mentioned
1: about and- Wait a minute. Something, something happened to Roger's phone. Something happened to Roger's oh, phone. Right.
2: Wait a minute. I'm right here. Can you hear me now? Okay.
1: Yeah, now you're okay. right. Okay. I,
2: yeah. I I will say when you you mentioned about uh, Belichick and his uh, poor drafting and everything, he had an opportunity to get Purdy. And, and you know, that could maybe solve their uh, quarterback problems.
1: Everybody had a chance to get it. It was the last pick.
2: Last pick, Yeah. <laughs>
6: You're right. You're right. Uh, they call him Mister Irrelevant, right? Well, he's very yeah. relevant correct, <laughs> right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one team I can't figure out, um, Baltimore. I mean, I-, I think they're pretty good, Baltimore, um, but sometimes they lose games they got no business losing, like last week against uh, the Steelers. They they should not right. lose that game. Um, and you know, you know Tomlin. You know how I feel about Tomlin. Um, you know, the the guy has never had a losing season. Um, it's been very rough after Roethlisberger retired to try to replace him. Uh, I'm not totally sold on uh, uh, on, on Pickett, um, but somehow Tomlin finds a way, and, and, and you know, and they win nine games. I mean, I, I don't know how he does it. Um, not that they're going to the Super Bowl, but uh, Tomlin he, he's an elite coach. Um, who knows? He 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 might be up for Hall of Fame consideration. Maybe if he if he can get into the Super Bowl one more time before he retires, uh, I think that would help him because right now he's got one. Um, and and guys, uh, by the way, um, listen to this. Uh, I just uh, got an email from the Hall of Fame uh, people, Pro Football, uh, the other day, and they want us to cut the. Um, the modern-day list, not the old-timer list, but the modern-day list. Uh, you know, the one that had Rondé Barber and and, and uh, Lynch on it and there, guys like that. Um, they want us to cut it uh, to 25 semifinalists. Uh, they want the ballots back uh, about a month from now, so we got a month to uh, mull it over. Um, the guy that I'm thinking about, and I don't know what you guys think of him, but Simeon Rice... Um, a lot of Buck fans are wondering about him. How come he doesn't get talked about? Where's the traction for Simeon Rice now? Guys, you know, four Buck defensive players are already in the hall, so right. to try to get a fifth in is, is difficult. Difficult. Almost I impossible. Simeon Rice, Simeon Rice um, I, I think he's got some... I think he's got a decent case. Um, you know, not an open and shut case like a Derrick Brooks, but... You guys saw Simeon Rice play. He, he, he was a force to be reckoned with.
1: Would you be the one speaking for him, or uh, has that been decided yet? Uh,
6: I, I, it would be me. It would be me because um, it would be uh, where the guy played the bulk of his career. Of course, okay. he started in Arizona. And he was good in Arizona, too. It wasn't like he was a bum in Arizona. And, uh, and then he kind of took a, a very good defense and made it a great defense. Um, and, um, it's unfortunate because, um, that shoulder injury he got in like, uh, 2007, um, he never played after that. He basically, that, that was it. And, um, he was kind of in his prime. Uh, it was a shame. Uh, he's got 120 sacks. Uh, who knows? He might've had 140. Uh, it's a big number, big, big number. So I'll keep you posted about Simeon Rice.
1: Terrific. So one thing, I want to go back to Lynch for a second. You know, when he first took that job as the general manager out there and with the 49ers, I mean, nobody I mean, he, nobody believed he. He just walked in there and, and took over like he knew exactly what he was doing from day one. Unbelievable.
6: You're right. And when he was an announcer for Fox, I, I thought he kept getting better and better. I thought he was improving. He yeah. um, and then you're right. He had no experience. As an executive. Nothing, nothing. 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 Um, but he hooked up with, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, and it's been a very formidable uh, uh, tandem. And um, they got a great organization going on now, you know. And who knows, guys, who knows um, if the quarterbacks didn't get hurt last year. Uh, may, maybe they beat the Eagles. May, maybe they beat the Eagles. Who knows? Who knows? Um Right. But you can't you can't go down to your third and fourth string quarterback and 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 claim to have a chance. But I would love to see Philly and San Francisco in an epic matchup in January. That'd be beautiful.
2: Roger. Yeah, that would be a a great one. I just wanted to get back to the uh, baseball for the Phillies and the Braves for just a minute. Uh, they just showed a stat. That uh, Jason Wirth has the most home runs for uh, the Phillies in history in postseason. He has 11,
6: okay.
2: and it's in 40 right. some games. Harper has nine in 22 games. Wow That's amazing.
6: Wow, that, that is amazing. an amazing stat. You know, uh, uh, it's funny you know also
1: Roger didn't they put up a didn't they put up a stat earlier in the game too that he was tied for the most home runs nine with. I forget who the other player was. I didn't have a chance. We were doing the show, and I didn't have a chance to really look at it. But I thought he was tied with somebody else for nine home runs in the shortest period of time in the playoffs.
2: Well, yeah. Well, he's got nine yeah. and 22. and Case Huntley, I think, had nine. But he was in, like, before. Because that was that, and, uh, you know, 08 and, uh, and 09, et cetera. Uh, you know, but uh, – I mean, you know,
6: they played 46 games to get that number, and he's done it in 22 games. That's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And I'll tell you a very uh, uh, tremendous addition by the uh, Phillies uh, uh, a year or two ago, and and, uh, I don't think it gets enough fanfare, is uh, this Castellanos, he's a very good hitter, very Very good good hitter. Um, And don't forget, he's the guy that hit that ball, that the guy made the great catch in the center field. Um, and doubled up Harper. Um, you know, a lot of guys wouldn't have caught that ball. That that would have been a double and uh, and scored Harper with with the tying run. Um, and um, Castellanos, you know, you put him together with Schwarber uh, and and Harper, and uh, you know, you, you, it's a heck of a nucleus in in, in, in that Philly lineup.
1: I would also the big play of that game was not only the fact that he ran to second base, which you know you got to always keep the, you know. The, old latitude in base, you gotta keep the ball in front of you. And of course he right. anticipated and let the ball get behind him and there he was he was lost because he was five feet, eight feet behind beyond right. second base and had to go back. But the, the run they lost before that was the one that really hurt them. In the first inning they should have had two runs, not one. Right. when you got a when you when you got a, a base hit and your guy's coming around third base and you hold them up and you got a player that can't throw anybody out at home plate. I mean there's no reason that, that he should if you're gonna if you're gonna run your team I mean, he's got to score easily on that play in the first inning and take a do-nothing lead, and it didn't work out that way because they and held him up the third and, um,
6: and, you know, look, you guys know this. Uh, the pregame scouting reports are extensive now, much, much uh, more complex than they used to be, the analytics. And uh, part of it uh, every day is, um, hey, w- what are the arms in the outfield? What do they got? And if the ball, you know, and the and and the third base coach has to know that. That's got to be an automatic. Uh, and the ball goes here, this guy's got a good arm. The ball goes here, this guy's got right. a weak arm. We've got to take advantage of it. So, great point you made there. Would have would have uh, been a different ball game.
1: Iris, right, thank you very, very much. As always, we'll get together with you again and see you're what's going to happen uh, with the Hall of Fame. Nobody's better at presenting than you are. So, if you're looking for a guy to get to be your presenter, <laughs> He, your, your candidate's got the best guy possible. So, Ira, thank you so much. Take My care. My pleasure, guys. Thanks.
2: And we'll get those Sixers squared away with Harden. Get a, <laughs> get Harden out of town, Ira. I'm with you.
1: All right. We're going to switch gears now. We're going to go to soccer because, uh, well, we haven't, <laughs> we haven't talked to our soccer expert for some time now, but Mike Simchek is ready to go. We're ready to talk about the, what's happening in the world of soccer. But more importantly, uh, what's happening with the Baltimore Orioles? And what happened to those three games? They just couldn't get it together. What do you What do you think about that? Before we get to soccer, Mike.
3: I missed y'all. <laughs> it's been so long. I got tears. I don't even know what to say,
2: Guys, <laughs> I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We got to take care of Mike Don and Frank. He's like he's really having problems. I'm I, I, I don't even know what to do. It, he had really a doubleheader this
1: weekend. The Ravens, the Ravens got taken out by Pittsburgh. And the Phillies, and the Orioles got taken out one, two, three. So it's been a long, long week uh, at of You
5: know what the funny thing was? I saw none of it because uh, I was at the. I was at an establishment watching uh, Ireland play Scotland in rugby with the Irish and the Scottish embassies. Um, I can't wait to get a score on that game. <laughs> uh, Ireland won by a ton. Um, it, 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 it was one of the best sporting uh, sporting experiences I've ever had. Anyway, um, the Orioles. Uh yeah. That's what happens when you have a very, very young team and they don't have a manager or many people on the roster who've ever played a playoff game. And on the other side, you have a team like Texas, even though Texas as an organization hasn't been to many playoff games. You've got Bruce Bochy.
1: You've got... And that's enough. That's the best manager, in, one of the best is, managers yeah. in baseball.
5: That's right. You've got Bruce Bochy, who does nothing but win. You've got, uh, and I know he didn't pitch, you've got Max Scherzer. you've got uh, Jacob Jacrom. You've got all these guys in the clubhouse for Texas who have done nothing but win. And that's what it came down to. Um, Texas knew how to play these games. Baltimore did not and you saw that when you saw the guy like Whatever, I I know they didn't signal him to steal and how he does that is beyond me Those are the types of mistakes that teams that have playoff experience Don't typically make I really really hope the O's get back there next year because I think that they will learn from this experience and have something to say if they are able to make it back to the playoffs.
1: Roger?
2: Well, well I I agree with you. And, you know, we talked about this, uh, Mike. By the way, Mike, great to hear your voice. Uh, great to have us all being I, back together. I'm telling you, again.
5: I, I miss you. I miss Dawn. I miss Frank. Like, it, it was like, where's my Wednesday
2: night family? A family, we are a family. There's no doubt about it. But I agree with you on the Orioles, and I was thinking about the Philly similar situation, and uh, that would have been back in the '76 uh, to '78
5: 07 series.
2: Exactly, Roger, I agree with you they were
5: exactly. Young. When they 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 lost that series to, I believe it was Milwaukee in 07, and then went back out the next year in 08 and won the whole thing.
2: Right, right. And it it was the younger team uh, because Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, and Chase Utley, they were all uh, developing, and uh, they picked up uh, Jason Wirth. But it was a developing team. And even further back, and, Don, uh, uh, you know, you may or may not agree with me, I'm thinking about back in the 70s, uh, that's 76, 77, 78, and then they won an 80. But it was all those young players that came up uh, in the early uh, 70s, 72, 73, Schmidty, Luzinski, etc. So uh, And go back to right. one I, thing
1: that Mike just said, Roger. You go back to one thing that Mike just said. You can't make mistakes.
6: And what well, happened was Danny
1: Ozark did not take Greg Luzinski out of left field. And it cost Put him a chance to right. go to the World Series. You're exactly right.
2: But it was the growing, and I think I, – I agree. I think the Orioles will be back. I think they're a team with a very bright future. I like the Orioles. I always have, and I hope that they do because uh, I know it, it'll uh, do a, really a lot of good in uh, the uh, baseball community down there in your area. Well,
5: the good news is um, since we last spoke – The Orioles have signed another lease at Camden Yards, which was a thing because we didn't know they had the option to move. So we know they're going to stick and stay at Camden Yards. Um, The state of Maryland is going to pump in some money to redevelop the stadium, which is necessary. The stadium's been there since 1996. It is still beautiful.
3: But Mm -hmm.
5: everything can use – a coat of paint and a little bit, a couple of nails and a new sofa. And mm-hmm. so that's what they're going to do. And so the Orioles are going to be in Baltimore for the foreseeable future. Really excited about that. Um, my hope is that, and I may be swimming upstream when I say that the Angelos family is going to, keep this team together and possibly improve upon it. And the keep it together part, I'm okay with. They're not going to spend any more money, any less. The improve upon it is the one that I hope, you know, let's get some players that can help them win because this is a team that has, like we all said, they look a lot to me like the 2007 Phillies. Mm-hmm. If you put, another pitcher and give them another postseason experience i think that they can go a long way what you don't need to do is get rid of some of the current assets that they have because not only do they have a lot on the field right now at the major league level they also have a number of players at the minor league level that can come up and really really contribute so It may be that you need to create a couple of prospects at the deadline next year to get that ace, to get a Justin Verlander, a Max Scherzer type pitcher who can come in with some playoff and World Series experience and, you know, be that guy that wins you two or three, four games in the playoffs. You know, until – he pitched for for the Phillies. You know, Zach Wheeler, his playoff experience was limited, but we know now what he can do in the playoffs. That's the type of guy that you need pitching. You know, Bryce Harper coming in, he had some experience with the Nationals, but we see what he can do for the Phillies now getting that three-run homer that got that 10-2 victory um, really jump-started. I know Castellanos had the one that tied it, but it was um, Harper's. Those guys who know what the playoffs mean and they know what to do and they can jump on that opportunity when it's there for them. That's what the O's need.
3: Mm-hmm. Go well, ahead, Roger. Let,
2: well, get, want to get over to soccer uh, because, uh, you know, you, you're our expert and uh, I know that uh, the uh, Union uh, is wrapping up the season, and they had a, a big win uh, the, the other night, I guess it was, uh, right against Atlanta, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
5: So the Union are hovering in between third and fourth place. So be in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is Inter-Miami is not going to be in the playoffs, which means Messi – is not going to be in the playoffs. That was the one that I was the most worried about. If Leo Messi and Inter-Miami had actually been able to figure their way out to get into the playoffs, mm-hmm. they were not going to lose. Um, as for the Philadelphia Union, they haven't had the regular season that I had hoped that they would, but this is a playoff team. Exactly what we were talking about with the Phils, exactly what we've been talking about. They know how to win these games. They were in the MLS Cup last year. Jim Curtin knows how to manage these games. He knows how to win these games. Those players know how to win these games. I really think that the Philadelphia Union are going to be a tough out in the playoffs. The problem is that they've got to also deal with uh, FC Cincinnati who in the Eastern Conference have had a phenomenal season, and they were the nemesis of the Union all throughout last season. And all the things that I said about the Union also apply to them. So it's going to be very, very interesting uh, should those teams have to play each other in the semifinals or the finals.
1: My guy had a question right out of left field for you, and that is that. Uh, we chatted on the first half hour of the program about, you know, the enthusiasm of the Philadelphia fan, or what's happening at the Citizens Bank Park right now. And Roger was talking to Dan Baker and others about the price they were paying for standing-room-only tickets uh, for tonight's game in Philadelphia, which was, to me, a, a price that's unbelievable. I, I, don't, I just can't imagine paying that type of money for a standing-room-only seat. But I want to go back a, a, almost a month now when Messi came into New York uh, you know, how could you be charging $49, $59 for tickets uh, to see the team play? And Messi comes in, and they charge 450 or $500 for the same ticket. Now, and on top of that, he doesn't even play in the first half it, at all. Nothing, not a minute. He did play in the second half to assist. But, I mean, what in the world are you you're, you're letting the I don't understand how you can do that. And why would
5: they? Yeah. It's rough. Um, I want to say, gentlemen, about 15, 18 years ago, I paid $50 to go up to see the New York Red Bulls play um, the L.A. Galaxy. Because it's going to be uh, David Beckham's first game in New York. And true story, we're sitting in the upper deck. It's the first time in old giant stadium that they've opened up the upper deck for a soccer game since Pele played in the 70s. And at one point in time, every, every time David Beckham touches the ball, everybody's bowing. And he comes down, and we're sitting in the corner. We paid 50 bucks, and we're sitting way up in the nosebleed section. And he comes and has corner kicks, and everybody's bowing. And one of the guys turns around to us and says, why are you bowing? He's the reason y'all paid to get up here. And, yeah, you know, there are certain players who are at the top of your game that you will pay to get in.
1: Um. But he didn't play.
5: He didn't play, and so for Messi, there were like they were available when he was going to play here in D.C. Right. in the Nations League. That were like running two thousand dollars, and if you'd paid attention, you knew he was not going to play. But people bought the tickets. Now, that's the problem. What MLS has been able to do is go to these smaller stadiums. So we're not dealing with a 90,000, uh, 85, 90,000 seat stadium like Mike. giant stadium where I could go. And you, I'm sorry, you're going to find a lack of people who are going to want to go out and see them. When it comes to D.C., it's a 20,000, 25,000 seat. You can find 25,000 people who want to go and see Messi. So it becomes a uh, cost-benefit thing. You know, I want to see this guy play, so I'm going to play him. Until, I'm going to pay that until the novelty wears off. You know, I guarantee you the premium on what you're seeing next year versus this year is going to be totally different. You're not going to see these 500, uh, 2,000, Uh, dollar tickets to go and see him next year because all the people who have wanted to pay that to go and see him the first year, they've already done that. They're not going to do it again. So if you want to go out and see Messi play, and I would suggest it, there are a few times where you're going to be able to see a Michael Jordan, a Ken Griffey Jr., a Babe Ruth. You name that person who is the best at the sport that they play, even if they're a little bit older, play live. Um, if you have the opportunity to go out and see Messi play, please take it. It's worth it. I've seen him. It's worth it. Um, but that premium I don't think is going to be as high next year. This year was all about the novelty.
1: Well, I, I, I'll tell you, I just can't imagine what – I. I, I... I mean, I, I was yeah, I, when I got there. When I got, I when I got and I said I paid that kind of money, and and if, and they didn't even announce that he wasn't going to play in the first day of any game. I mean, I, I, I would be I I, would, I just I couldn't buy another ticket. I couldn't do it. Roger, you're up. Uh, well, no, go ahead,
2: Mike. You were going to say something, okay? Because I won't pay no, it either. No, I mean,
5: if you have even if you have the chance to see him play for a little bit, again, there are a few times where you're going to see somebody. Who is as good as their craft as Messi mm-hmm. is at playing soccer? Watching Messi play soccer is like watching uh, Da Vinci paint. I mean, it's one of those things. When you see it, you know what a master looks like. And even if it's just for a half, I would right. just doing it, just not at two
2: thousand dollars ticket unless that's your disposable income. Right. Roger. Yeah, it's like a uh, Picasso. You like you were saying, you know, the uh, the painting of a uh, masterpiece. Uh, the way he plays, and you know, people are you know may do it once or uh, twice, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know anybody to be honest with you that I know that, that went to the game tonight and played three paid three fifteen. And if it's three fifteen tonight, what's it going to be tomorrow night when they could clinch the whole thing? And would have been nice if they won. Won the other night, so they could have clinched it tonight. The Phillies, but uh, you know, but you know, it's it just if people want to go to see a game, go
1: to see a concert,
2: uh, see entertainment, they're going to pay the price. And, and how important, important is it to win, win
1: Roger? You got to be a winner. Yeah. You got to be. You have to win. They say, where are the people? Yeah. Well, the people will be there if you win. If you don't win, they're not coming out.
2: Well, they're not going to not, be there, absolutely. They weren't out at Citizens Bank Park for a number of years because the Phillies weren't winning. And then last year they turned it around, and they had over $3 million this year.
5: And before I, uh, before I have to jump off because I have to go and do my, own, my other radio show, listen, winning fears all and atmosphere to respect. We paid to sit in the bleachers out in left field back when Doc Holliday was pitching because I wanted to be at a Phillies playoff game. And it didn't matter what it costs within reason, I paid to go out there because I wanted that experience. When you pay to go out for a sporting game, it's, you're paying for the experience that you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And – The price you pay is what you're willing to give up. In economics, it's what we call an opportunity cost. You know, what I am willing to spend for this experience. For everybody, it's different. Um, For me, that cost was worth the experience. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't say that I'm going to pay $2,000 to go to uh, out of field to see Messi play. Now, there is a price that I have in mind where if it meets that, I'll go out and see it because it's worth it. And so it's what you're
2: willing to pay is supply versus demand. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I paid uh, – uh, I got the ticket because Dan Baker can get, uh, you know, a number of tickets. And I, uh, as a matter of fact, just sent a check to him today. And uh, that game last week was, that I uh, got to see Tuesday night was one twenty-five. And but I did exactly the reason I've been the games before. Don's been there, you've been there, Frank's been there. I just uh, had not been to a playoff game at Citizens Bank Park. And, uh, well, I mean, I probably was, you know, several years ago, you know, a number of years ago now when they were, you know, uh, the that team. But the uh, I just I wanted to do it. And so uh, you spend I'm not going to do it, uh, you know, a couple of nights. I may do it during the uh, league championship series and I would do it at the World Series. But, you know, what your budget is. And uh, but the nice thing was that we were in the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, area, so I got to take picture, I got to take some pictures, uh, which I never re- really uh, noticed before, uh, in that area where they have the uh, tributes to a lot of the uh, the old teams and the players. So th- that was a uh, sort of icing on the cake for me that night. But I'm with you, Mike. you're with Mike Mike there, or do we lose him well he had he had to do his uh, regular show i think oh. he he said that you know that uh, he had to yeah. jump off yeah. because he he had his regular show, but you know, okay. Don, you know you and I have both spent money in the past uh you know, and w- when you look at these crowds now, it uh, just always to me goes back what was that the nineteen seventy six game with the Dodgers Burt Hooten, or was that seventy seven when the fans, 70,000 fans, they just uh, got to him, and they had to get him out of the game. Remember that? Right.
1: Yeah, well, let's explain. You're talking about the Veterans Stadium now, not, you know, oh, that this was is at before.
2: The yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I was that's in the I'm 70s. Saying.
1: well, a lot of people don't realize, you know, they talk about fireworks days and all oh, There were 75,000. There were 72,000. Yeah, but you're talking about Veterans Stadium. Now, this yeah. you know this is a entirely different complex, a totally different kind of situation much more uh, uh, game-oriented to watch a baseball game in Citizens Bank Park than it was at Veterans Stadium.
2: Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, it was just amazing what that uh, crowd of 70,000 did to that guy. He he just became totally unnerved, totally unnerved. And I just wonder tonight, uh, you know, when Ira was talking about uh, Harper uh, looking at the second baseman and uh, and other uh, players, uh, I did not see this. You may have seen it,
1: and Frank he's done it. He's something. done it in a couple of games. He did it. He did well, it out there. Well,
2: you
1: know, the first two games when they when they played on the road, he did the choke sign a couple of times in that, in those games.
2: Well, he did that, but he, when he supposed what what happened is from what somebody radio, the uh, shortstop uh, uh, Sarah or Syria, you know. He said something uh, that wasn't too smart, and they asked Rob Thompson if that uh, – I know what it was. Scott Franski asked him. Uh, He said, do you think that will have any effect uh, on the play tonight? He said, no, no. He said, those things happen. So the the shortstop said something that was uncomplimentary to uh, Harper, and that's why I think he was – yeah, he was looking down. Well, I didn't hear it until I heard the pregame show, uh, you know, on the radio when I was coming home from school, you know, because, I mean, the other thing is tomorrow night it's at 6.07. Tonight it was at 5.07 so that right. they can get the late game in too. Listen, that, that's also, uh, it's uh, you know, it's not that you can, you're going to have to take kids out of school if you take them, take them out early. I mean, we had a half a day today for the students, but we had to stay. And then uh, – you know, people. Oh, are Roger, going to come no, Roger I don't
1: really think this is all negative. Okay. The, I mean, I, I know that the, all the channels want to have, you know, some of the playoff games, but don't you think the sequence of the way they're scheduling these games—you y- see three innings here or four innings there. Uh, there's no continuity to the to the games, and as I forget who it was, Ira that said it, or you know, you turn the, turn the uh, Dodgers on and they're down six nothing in the first inning, you know. Well, maybe you're lucky. They're the last game, so you got nowhere else to go. You want to watch baseball? You watch the Dodgers finish the game. But if you're watching the Phillies game and they're up six nothing, you're you're going to go to something else. Hello. Hello. Hey, Don. I think we lost Frank. Hello. Hey, Don. Yeah. This is Doug. I'm, I'm ready. That's uh, so why I'm waiting for so. I know what happened. Something happened to us, Doug. We'll try to get you on. Hold on. I'm all about trying to get Frank on the line. Something must have happened over on his phone or something. I don't know. Yeah, a tough week. Yeah, had a tough, you had a tough weekend, <laughs> everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a little bumpy, but, I mean, you know, the... I mean, I well, don't, Sunday, I don't... Sunday, you should have won. You didn't. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, the true. Orioles were just—they showed up that they were just a little bit too young for the, you know, for the dynamics of the playoffs. So, but I think next year they'll be in a much better position to, you know, defend the uh, their American League uh, mm-hmm. League uh, yeah, Championship we'll, this year. We'll see. I mean, it was it was a magical ride for,
7: you know, all the Baltimore fans that uh, really love the Orioles, myself included. Um, from from start to finish, it was a wild ride, and um, you know I don't. You know you can you can look at this in a lot of different ways in terms of negative and 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 criticize. And
1: I told you, oh, so. I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you criticize those kids. I mean, they, hey, listen, they did a great job the second half of last year getting, you know, into contention, mm-hmm. and they did a much better job this year not only getting into contention but winning the American League. I mean, uh, I, you, 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 nobody mm-hmm. can criticize those kids. They just happen to be. They just have to go up against the team in the playoffs. Sure. They're, they're, well. they're just, you
7: you know, I mean look, you you've been covering sports for a very long time and momentum is a very powerful thing and uh, you know, once you get into that playoff scenario it begins a secondary uh season and you know, those that hot stay those that are hot stay hot and keep rolling. And um, you know, the Orioles ran into a really, really strong Texas offense and They backed it up with some really good pitching, and to me, that's a recipe for for a lot of wins. Um, But I'm just saying, I think that I listen to a lot of uh, local, you know, uh, sports. It's 105.7 here, um, kind of in the – well, which is the Baltimore version of. But um, there's a lot of people that call in there that are very negative and – you know, they'll criticize Brandon Hyde and, and Mike Elias for the playoff They'll that's crazy. criticize, um, you know, some of the moves that, that, that he would make or the or the lineups that he would make. Or the, the only thing that I can say about the three games that I watched is I was incredibly dis- disappointed with um, Game 1. Uh, we're down 3-2, 7th inning and ninth inning. In both of those innings, we get a guy on first base with nobody out, and there was no attempt to make a punt to get him to second base. Right. Um, that's the only thing that I can really criticize. I mean, look, Kyle Bradish pretty well. Um, the rest of the guys that we started with, with Rodriguez and um, uh, not Gibson but Kramer, I mean, they their ERAs were like 14-something, so um, – I mean, it was it was difficult to watch. It was disappointing to see the season end in a, a kind of a downer like that. But you know, like I said, it was a magical season. Um, you know, I think that the vibe is back in Baltimore in terms of uh, the fan base responding to a well-built team that's that's uh, in it for the long haul. You know, let's say it that way.
1: They're gonna be, they're, they're going to be like the Phillies of this year and last year. They're going to be a team coming on, and the fan base is going to get better and better and better. We talked tonight. They were selling tickets, uh, standing, room only tickets at, uh, yeah. to standing room tickets at the Citizens Bank Park for three hundred and fifteen dollars. Standing room ticket. Yeah. Now right. you know that's unbelievable in Philadelphia, right. and it's unbelievable anywhere to you me. Know. But uh, even in Philly, I mean, it's great as well as they're playing and as much as they're doing. That's a lot of money to play for a standing room ticket. I don't. I don't know. I, I is, you just want to listen. I tell you,
7: when you really break stuff like that down, I mean. You know the amount of money that people spend um, that they don't really add up in a monthly capacity. Whether it's you know whatever cigarettes, alcohol, right, blah blah blah. Right. You know what I mean? Right. People talk about. I mean now, now it's not like material items that you're spending money on. It's it's the experience that you're buying, and I think that that that's got, that's been a shift. I think in how people spend their money. They're they're saying okay, well, you know I don't I don't need another so and so. I don't need another shirt. I don't need another pair of shoes. I don't need another necklace. I, don't, uh, I want to spend my money on something that's going to provide me with an experience. And, you know, I'm 49 years old. I mean, the last time I saw the Orioles win a World Series was 1983, right? So right. if the Orioles would have progressed on and I had the chance to, uh, you know, see them play at Camden, you would have been there. American, I mean, you'd like to think that you could, you know, probably elbow some people that you've known over the years in terms of you know, you know, shoving your chips to the to the center. I mean, I I watched um, well, it was it game three or four? I can't remember. But my wife took me to the World Series at, in uh, when the Nats played in what nineteen. Um, you know, she knew somebody who gave us tickets or whatever. You know, just get in the ballpark. I don't really give a you know where the seats are. Just get me in the ballpark. Right, and, right, and, right. You know, like, I mean. I'm not a Nats fan, but the experience and the, the electricity that you feel and the fan base and how, you know, that just, that is, I mean, I will remember that. I mean, that was, that was really cool, you know, so. Well,
1: let's switch over. We don't you know how much time left. It's like 14 minutes after right. or 15 minutes. after the hour, yep. so you got a thir- third, four minutes. Uh, Sunday's game. I, I was really, I, I'm a horrible guy. I really am. <laughs> I, I think he's one of the best coaches in national football, but he can to me, sometimes loses games I can't believe. And, and I thought he had that game won, and he let it get away from him. Yeah, I I, uh, I watched a portion of that. I, I, saw, um,
7: I saw the first quarter, and then I got in my car and I had to go to another golf course. I had three uh, junior classes that I taught, uh, right. three, four, and five o'clock. So I, I listened to um, basically the rest of the second quarter and, and, and first half in the car on the way, and I I didn't see the end of the first half. But from what I could hear, the Ravens were up 10-3. They were driving. uh, They were uh, getting down kind of inside that 20-yard line. And they had a fourth and short, fourth and one-ish call um, that they decided to go for. And something happened. They didn't get it. And in my mind, I just – I have a hard time over the past several seasons – um, with some of the decision-making skills of Harbaugh, when it comes to, you know, taking that slow
1: nickel versus, you know, w- what could happen. Oh, after well, well that. last I, year, I last year like he, lost, he lost. He lost that game, no question, because he wouldn't kick the field goal. If sure. you, if, I mean, I just. And, and uh, I mean, I feel like know, at the
7: end of that first half, if he kicks the field goal, and just takes the daggone on three points, it's thirteen right. to three. And I, I believe now you're up. You know you're up two scores. I think that's a momentum-changing kind of a decision, even if it's only three points. But um, I believe that would have made a difference in the game. I mean, I think that Pittsburgh's not a very good football team. Their offense isn't very good, and we were moving the football uh, on their defense. Um, the best thing they you know, have is a coach. They got they got one yeah, of the best Tomlin, coaches. In. He is no. I mean, no argument. I think Mike Tomlin's. He might be my favorite coach in all the NFL. Just. Based on how his body language and how he uh, addresses the media and the th- how just direct he is, and how he takes accountability and responsibility for himself and his team, and he, you know, he's just a, he's a good football coach. He really is. Um, you know, never a losing seasons.
1: Never losing seasons.
7: No, nah, I mean he's you know, look, he's I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a fabulous organization, and he's been you know a, a part of that for for several years here. Uh, you know he's had, you know, I mean Ben Roethlisberger for for that run was was pretty good, and now he's he's grooming Kenny Pickett, and you know even last year, I mean he, he found a way to to get out yeah. of the doldrums there, and and so um, yeah, I get it. Took um, him to the final game of the season, but he but he won it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but to your point though, I just I just feel like we outsmarted ourselves. I mean I think that the Ravens should have easily won that football game, and that's that's a game changer in terms of the standings and, and where we should have been versus where we are. And, um, it's very disappointing. It was a disappointing weekend for me to, to start, you know, that three, two loss from Baltimore and that, that opening game was, was difficult to stomach. And then, you know, you, you get to the Ravens and then, you know, it's just a difficult couple of days there to be a Baltimore fan. But, you know, my hope is that, that better days are coming. I think that I can officially say that I'll, you know, I might watch a game or two if we get to the World Series, but I don't really care much about baseball at this point because the Orioles lost. Um, but it's officially football season, and you know, in, in terms of of what comes next, I mean, Friday is is uh, you know NHL for the for the Capitals. Uh, I know that my wife is really excited about opening opening night uh, for the
1: Caps. Right. Um, so there's there's a lot going on here. Well, there's a lot going on everywhere. <laughs> That's one of the things. Now, I we talked in the first uh, half of the show tonight earlier with different people, and uh, mm-hmm. talking about you know what's what's going to be the you know what's going to be the tele, television ratings on these games because so many games were out of uh, even the Dodgers what they lost eleven eleven nothing eleven won the first game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get up to six seven, uh, you know it's eight it's uh, mm-hmm. ten o'clock at night. Are you going to stay have to watch a game where teams behind? Six seven runs and, and you know you're not really a well uh, maybe you, you got to be a fan I mean, of I that watched, team. Uh,
7: yeah, I, I, look for the Orioles. I watched into the probably top of the eighth. I think I watched the Orioles hit.
1: Yeah, how about the Minnesota was, Twins. You're going to watch the Minnesota Twins at ten o'clock at
7: night. It, well, I, Yeah, look, I only say that from the standpoint because I was a, an Orioles fan. It, it, I'm not interested in watching. I mean to me all the other teams that are not named the Orioles are ancillary to you know <laughs> I, I love baseball but you know what I mean like I, I'm not I'm not interested I mean I'm just a diehard fan for my team You got to have a
1: rooting interest you got to have a rooting interest I mean
7: I get it I just like I will watch I'm more inclined to do that in football than I am baseball only because I'm involved in fantasy sports so I have a fantasy football team so if there's a you know, nondescript Thursday night game that no one cares about, like last Thursday night, which was the Bears and the Redskins. Um, I started two of the Redskins players that I have, and so I have a rooting interest in watching them hopefully accumulate points for me. Um, you know, but from a baseball standpoint, you know, if the Orioles are the only team. That was a hard conversation to have with my son this morning when we woke up, and he said, how did the Orioles do the other day, or whatever day that was. And he said, how did the Orioles do? And I said, well, oh, they lost, buddy. And yeah. he was, you know, asking me a bunch of questions. I'm like, look, Bud, I, I don't really care what happens after this. I don't, you know, whoever wins the World Series, that's great. But I was like, I'm, it's not of any interest to me at this point. So, um, well, well, we'll yeah. wrap
1: it. We'll wrap it up right now, and we'll wrap it up on that. By right, next week, we'll have okay. the championship series going, so we'll see whether anybody yep. has it. Has a dying uh, longing to see which team in the in the get into the playoffs in the World Series. Will do, Doug. Thank you very much. It's always always a pleasure, and I promise you of next course. time we get together, we'll talk a little golf because we didn't talk any golf tonight at all.
7: That's okay.
1: I'm I'm diverse. Take, We're take good.
7: Take care. You got it, Don. Good night.